Hey guys, uh, John with Scottsdale Living. Really excited. We're here today with a with a local renowned artist and author, Steve Bergsman, uh, from the Mesa area, right? Uh, from Mesa, yes. Fantastic. Steve has been a journalist for many years, written many different books and publications. Uh, what we're really going to kind of talk a lot about today is the movie, The Wanders, and the book Steve wrote about The Wanders. But you've also got some other books that came out, and we can kind of chat about those as well. Um, but tell me, so you've got an event coming up next no- Monday at uh, the JCCs, right? Yeah, so the JCC in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. it, uh, it's an event. It's, it's about one mm-hmm. of my books. I had four books come out this year, and one of them was The Wanderers, which was a look at how this cult movie from 1979 sure. actually, why it got made. Right. And you think, oh, well, some studio just okays a movie and that's it. Sure. But there's sort of, a, a, as I found out, there's sort of an evolution of why some movies get made. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the case of The Wanderers, it, it, it was very complex. The background of making okay. the movie was simple. Sure. and uh, But the background was very complex because it all started with the concept of teen gangs, yeah, yeah. which was a problem or perceived problem in the 1950s. So mm-hmm. there were a number of teen gangs in cities, uh, usually the bigger cities sure. at the time. So what's kind of the thoughts about that? I mean, why why did why were the gangs so prevalent then, especially teen gangs? Well, the teen gangs were mostly territorial okay. in, in the big city. So they were there to uh, claim their block or sure. blocks or area of the city. And they wanted to show that they predominated in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it was for protection. They didn't want other teen gangs to come in. And uh, they weren't uh, the the violent, violent gangs that we began to see in the 80s, such as the Crips and the Bloods. Sure, sure. So, again, they were, you know, young men uh, just hanging out. And uh, they were more of annoyance. But it began to get more violent. Okay. And uh, uh, guns began to appear in the neighborhoods. But... There were so few guns that they used to make their own, and they called them zip guns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've heard they, of that before. I didn't realize yeah. that's what it was. So it was like a handmade gun, a zip right. gun, and it would shoot one bullet. Yeah. So, so and the other thing about uh, the 1950s and teens, it was as, as if America discovered teens for the first time. Sure. Yeah. Oh, my God, we have teenagers. <laughs> but What, what happened, do we do with them? <laughs> yeah. What happened was, so we went from World War One to the Depression mm-hmm. to World War Two, so teens sort of got involved in world events. They yeah. went to wars, and in the Depression, they had to help families sure. stay above poverty. So there was really none of that uh, life for a teenager that we know today. Right. But after World War Two and prosperity came to America, teenagers had more free time. Uh, they had were pennies and uh, and dollars in sure. their in their wallet. So it's really interesting. I never really thought of that progression, but it makes total sense. I mean, and even I would assume if you go back to the eighteen hundreds, I mean, yeah. you didn't get to be a teen; you were either a child or you were working, right? Yeah, because it was an agricultural country sure. for a long time. You worked on your farm, right? You, right with your with your parents. That's right. what was your job, right? And uh, so suddenly we had teenagers and uh, parents. We're like just frightened of everything about teen, teenagers, <laughs> totally. but but part of that was the teen gangs, and they some of them were were dangerous, and 
uh, I began the wonders with a story of uh, uh, a teenager being killed in, mm -hmm. in teen gang violence. Wow. And that okay. sort of tipped the scales to the newspapers that have about all this teen gang sure. business in the 50s. So that was the first part. And then came, um, skip a few years forward, and uh, Dion, a mm -hmm. popular American singer in mm -hmm. the 50s and 60s, sure. he had a song called The Wanderers. Yeah. It was a, a, a big song about 1960, I would mm -hmm. say. And that spurred another young man. Oh, so Dion was from the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of teen, famous teen gangs in the Bronx, sure. which is a borough of New York. Yep. So that is, so Dion was from, from the Bronx, and he actually was in a gang when he was young. Right. And his first group was Dion and the Belmonts, and actually all the Belmonts and Dion were in gangs at one oh, time, wow, okay. youth gangs. So they kind of grew out of that. Yeah, they grew out of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, the Wanderers, uh, the Wanderer, the song, mm -hmm. uh, spurred another Bronx boy, uh, uh, a kid named Richard Price, okay. to write a book called The Wanderers. Right. And it focused on teen gangs. And So is this a biography at the time? or No, it's, okay. it, it came out in 1970, around 1974. Okay. Richard Price, by that time, was 24 years old, mm -hmm. his first book. And it uh, was very, very popular, sure. and it became sort of a cult classic as mm -hmm. well. Uh, so his book, but he didn't grow up in, in that environment then, right? He, no, he was okay. a middle class. He was a lower middle class boy. So he okay. he he grew up in public supported housing, sure. you might say. Sure. And uh, actually, from one to five, for me, I, I did the same in, in New York. Okay. I grew well, up in public supported housing. Sure. And then my father got a better job and we moved to the burbs. Right. Yeah, totally. Made yeah. the progression, right? So Richard Price wrote this book. So so this is what the book uh my book is about. So we had the you know, Teen Gangs, and I mm -hmm. talk about how the song The Wanderer was created, and sure. then, then how Richard Price wrote his book, mm -hmm. The Wanderers. Right. And this is all against the backdrop of uh America focusing on teens. Mm -hmm. And essentially the first teen gang movie was the wild one okay with marlon brando yep. where a motorcycle gang invades a small town right yeah so i remember uh, this so the uh, the odd thing about that movie was it was based on a real event so after world war ii a lot of the gis came back mm -hmm. but just like after the vietnam war for example yeah, there yeah. was a lot of PSTD, PTSD, PTSD, and they didn't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, they didn't know what to do with themselves, and a lot of them organized into motorcycle clubs. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a, a, a rally in a small city in California mm -hmm. around 1947, and uh, Hollister, mm -hmm. and thousands of these motorcyclists showed up and oh, took wow. over the town. <laughs> Wow. So that became the basis of the movie, The Wild One. And right. that was the first sort of pop, it was a very popular teen yeah. movie. And then you skip forward a few years and you get the next popular teen movie, a little more violent, mm -hmm. and it was called The Blackboard Jungle. Okay. And what made The Blackboard Jungle, besides, uh, it, was, it was a very good movie, mm -hmm. 
But it began with Bill Haley and the Comets singing Rock Around the Clock. If you were a teenager and you went to see this movie, you sat down, the lights went on, there was a little verbiage in front, and then boom, it's Rock Around the Clock. (laughs) And teenagers went wild. They were dancing in the aisles and Rock Around the Clock became a number one record in 1955. Sure. So, and this was really, they, they, you know, if you're thinking, okay, where did, when did rock and roll happen? Yeah. It was really 1955 with rock around the clock. Right. 1956 was Elvis and suddenly sure. rock and roll has taken over. Right. Right. So, uh, so it was blackboard jungle. Mm-hmm. Sidney Poitier yep. was in it. Yep. He was the good guy. Yeah. Uh, the bad kid was Vic Morrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, another who be also became a popular sure. actor. Absolutely. So, and then there were uh, many, many cheap B-movie variations of the teen gang. So this is a genre during the time. Yeah, this was a very popular genre. Yeah. And uh, we we don't have drive-ins anymore, but there used to be drive-ins in America. And these were very popular with teenagers because they can go park with their girlfriend. Yeah. Watch B-movies. Sneak in a beer or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. And... uh, and make out in the backseat yeah, kind yeah, of thing. percent. So this was all popular in the fifties going into the sixties, but you skip forward into the seventies and those teenagers are now grown up. Sure. And they're about 40 years old, let's mm-hmm. say. Uh, and they have the first wave of pop nostalgia yeah. come in. And then we start seeing a new wave of everything. So we have uh, West Side Story, mm-hmm. the ult- you know the penultimate teen gang movie. But right. in 1958, it started out as a Broadway play. Right, right. So you know that that was the first of uh, sort of okay, our nostalgia for teens. So that was in 58. But then you skip forward to the 70s, and you have Greece. Greece. Yeah also started out as a, a as a theatrical production mm-hmm. and it was very popular. I started to realize that. So the, the, the theater presentation came first. Before the, the theater movie. presentation yeah. of Greece came first okay. and then came the movie. And then in the early 70s, television, you had happy days. Yeah, yeah. And then you had a, a, a resurgence of sort of teen movies that look back at the music sure. and the times of the 50s uh, it wasn't a teen gang movie per se, but it was sort of in that genre. That was mm-hmm. American Graffiti. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there was a, a another movie that really wasn't very good. It was called The Lords of Flatbush. Okay. And that was about 1974. And it was uh, really the first movie for Sylvester Stallone and Henry Winkler. Oh, okay. Henry Winkler, who went on to Happy yeah, Days, yeah, yeah. you know? So this is pre-Rocky? This is pre-Rocky. Yeah, this is wow, his, okay. first, his first shot at... Sure. Uh, I think he had appeared as walk-ons in about a, a film or two. Okay. But he was actually one of the four stars of right. The Lords of Flatbush, and it mm-hmm. really wasn't in a, a, sure. a great movie. And then by 1979... Uh, we get two, not one, but two cult movies about mm-hmm. teen gangs. Uh, the craziest one 
was The Warriors. Okay. And it came out uh, months before The Wanderers. Mm -hmm. So this is what happened. So The Warriors came out, and essentially, it, it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. And it's a, a pure slice of adrenaline. Sure. And I don't know if you knew your if you know New York very well. A little bit, yeah. I've been there quite a few times. But. So a gang in Coney Island, which is really at the southern end yep. of the subway system, right, travels to the top end, the northern end of the subway system in the Bronx for a convocation of all the teen gangs mm -hmm. in New York City at the okay. time. So there's a you know hundreds of, sure. of teen gang sure. members meeting in the North Bronx. Mm -hmm. And because they want to unite and sort of take over the city as sure. a whole group. But the, the the fellow whose idea that was and who was speaking gets assassinated at that meeting. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they blame this teen gang called the Warriors mm -hmm. that lived in the Bronx, in, in Coney Island. Island. Okay. So now the Warriors have to ride the subway system from the Bronx to Coney Island with all the other teen gangs in the city after them. Oh man. <laughs> so <laughs> that's intense, the story right? of the yeah. Warriors. Great, right. great movie. Warriors come out. And for some reason at that time, uh, the, uh, the reaction was so visceral for, for teens. They started fighting in the movie. Oh, so wow. it was all these, yeah. and it was, it was one of those things that got caught up in the press. It really sure. wasn't that many incidents, right. but enough that the press- Well, the press loves it, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, movies, spurs violence in, sure. in theaters. Of course, yeah, yeah. So uh, what, what looked like it was going to be a best-selling movie had to be pulled. Right. Also, so that, it actually got pulled out of the theater. Yeah, so okay. it got pulled. So uh, that was early in 79. Late in 79 comes The Wanderers. Mm-hmm. Completely different gang movie. Uh, it's really uh, at the heart of it. It's kind of a sweet movie, and it's a coming of age movie. Sure, and it's a bit more comedic mm -hmm. than the Warriors. But because of what happened with the Warriors, they put it out maybe for a week. Oh, right, the yeah. Wanderers, and yeah. then pulled that one too. Wow. Okay. So nobody ever saw the Wanderers. Right. And then, you know, years later, it starts appearing on what was then, you know, we didn't have streaming, we had cable. Yeah, sure. So, and then it, people discovered The Wanderers and it became sort of a, yeah. a cult movie. Started getting a little following behind it, yeah. right? That's crazy. So, but there are Wanderers clubs all over the world, <laughs> in Japan, in, right. in Europe. Um, matter of fact, The Wanderers 79 facebook page comes mm -hmm. out of germany okay yeah, crazy that's, right that's, yeah that's how popular sure. this movie is so um so that's sort of the whole history of right. the wanderers right. uh right there from the movie to the book to the to your book right, right. Yeah. yeah what a progression so i mean how do you what brings you to this whole thing i mean is is it growing up there is it the experience or what really captivates you about it well, one thing. So I was born in, in 1949. Sure. So I grew up in the 50s. Right. So I have a sort of a warm nostalgic, yeah, nostalgic feel Absolutely. for the 1950s. Right. And uh, so I'm a big fan of the Wanderers movies. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually a big fan of the Warriors movies okay. movie as well. 
Um, so I sort of have a, 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 a kindness to that sure. to sure. that era. Anyway, I, I my agent at the time he said, "Why don't you write a a, a book about a popular movie?" Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of books about the making sure. of different sure, movies of out there. And uh, behind the and, scenes, how it went down, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And I said, and I thought the Wanderers would make uh, mm-hmm. was so popular as a cult film. Sure. I thought it would make a, a a a good book. So, what was the push to get the movie made? So, you 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 talked about that for just a brief second a few minutes ago. But like, was there what was the impetus behind it? I mean, was there a driving force that said, "Hey, we've got to get this movie out there"? Well, what happened was so it was. Uh, a kind of a cultish book. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, and it, and one of the reasons for it, so this was Richard Price, who's a, a very famous uh, author and screenwriter, sure. actually. Uh, and his first book, and it was an odd book because it, it, it wasn't one story that you follow through from beginning to end. It was a series of vignettes that were all tied together. Sure. And it was pretty crude mm-hmm. uh, for the time. Right. Uh, the language, what happened to the people, uh, and uh, and just people liked the fact that it was different. Sure. And it was a good book. So that book was out there, and um, uh, a director, Philip Kaufman, uh, who started directing movies in the 60s, mm-hmm. very small, independent movies. Sure. And then gradually you get better movies yeah, and yeah, better absolutely. movies. Yeah. Got a few more dollars in his pocket. Yeah. And yeah, totally. And finally by uh, 1970s, late 70s, he does the remake of a 50s movie called Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh-huh. Yeah. So his remake was even better than the original. Sure. And very scary, and it was a, a, a box office hit. Right. <clears throat> but as he's wor- working on Invasion of the Body Snatchers, his son mm-hmm. says, Dad, you got to see this book. This would make a, a, a great book. His son was a big fan mm-hmm. of, of The Wanderers sure. by Richard Price. So uh, Philip Kaufman reads the book loves it mm-hmm. and he's working with his wife rose kaufman mm-hmm. and they said okay well you know while you're shooting an invasion of the body snatchers let's sort of get started on a sure <clears throat> screenplay here mm-hmm. so uh philip kaufman and rose kaufman wrote the first screenplay to the movie okay <clears throat> now he's trying to get He's in California shooting, in San Francisco shooting Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. But he has to commute to New York to sort of get underway with uh, with the Wanderers because sure. that's where it has it yeah, had to be shot. shot there it had to be right. shot in the Bronx. Right. Plus, he had to get extras and, mm-hmm. and all that and guys to play uh, all, the, all, 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 the, all the big uh, sure. roles yeah. in the movie. So little side question. So the author, Richard Price, right, yeah. is also a screenwriter. So was he ever brought in to do any of the screenwriting or he just wasn't involved with that at all? He wasn't because he, he spent the first uh, part of his career strictly as an author. Okay. 
And then he eventually, and many authors do, they eventually migrate to the big sure. money, which is Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you have a bestseller, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't make you, money. You're not like going to right? be really rich as an sure. author, sure. Uh, unless I'm trying to think, some of these guys who write uh, uh, lots and lots of these mystery books, you know. Well, so there's a great one here in town. You know, Clive Cussler. Yeah. So Clive passed away actually, but um, him and his wife live in PV. And yeah, he, that was the evolution. You know, he yeah. wrote a whole bunch of his books and then when the movies started coming, that's when a lot of the money started coming. Right. Right. And so, um, the same thing with, uh, with Richard Price, some of his okay. uh, books made were made into movies. Sure. And, and then he, you know, started writing the screenplays for mm-hmm. his mo- books, uh, for movies based on gotcha. his books. And yeah. And um, so at this time when this movie was going on, he wasn't quite in that position yet. No, he was, this was his first, Yeah, this was his first effort. Right. So he's commuting back and forth. And uh, at the same time, the Warriors is getting, they're getting organized sure. as well. And they each know about each other and right. they each know that there's, they're essentially teen gang yeah. movies. So they're filming the same time in the same yeah, place. Yeah. yeah. They're, 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 there's competition right. for, for or extras and sure. stars and there, and there were no stars really in either of those movies. Right. These were movies that nobody thought would, would make money. Mm-hmm. They were for teenagers, uh, low budget and th- there really were no stars. So, uh, so he's commuting back and forth, but the warriors, uh, which was directed by Walter Hill, mm-hmm. who's, kind of well-known for people who follow authorship okay. of movies mm-hmm. uh, as a, a director of action movies. Sure. And Warriors certainly was was an action movie. And there was nobody famous then at right. the time. But in The Wanderers, uh, Karen Allen, mm-hmm. who became more famous because of the, she starred in the first Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. okay. So uh, that was probably her next movie after The Wanderers. Wow, okay. But she had made one movie before that, mm-hmm. Animal House. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she was in Animal Hilarious, House right. the year before The Wanderers. Sure. So she was really the only one with any movie sure. creed. Cre- yeah, any street uh, you know, cred for it there, yes, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and everybody else was new. And Phil Kaufman, he had an idea of who he wanted to play the lead. Mm-hmm. But then this guy comes in pretty much off the street. Sure. Uh, his name's Ken Wild, W-A-H-L. Okay. And uh, he looks at Ken Wild and he says, oh, you're the man. <laughs> Tall, good-looking guy. Right. Uh, he's he's on the cover of, uh-huh. of the book, The Wanderers. So that's Ken Wild. And um, he was perfect for for the lead sure in, in the movie and but everybody else was also very good so there are it's a, essentially a male movie because it's about the teen gangs they're all yeah yeah of course they're all there's a lot of interest men. in there somewhere yeah. though right but there's uh two women of interest one is karen allen mm-hmm. and the other one was uh tony not look tony calum <laughs> okay and she had done some bit parts before, but Karen Allen was most famous for this movie. Mm-hmm. But I always thought that Tony uh, did the better work. Sure. She had the harder job. 
Karen Allen was the pretty girl that that Ken Wall, yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. leader of the pack, right. fell for. But he was already engaged to Tony Kaler. Oh, she had wow. the hard. She had the harder yeah. job. She had yeah. to be the sort of the bitter sure. uh, girlfriend. So, uh, so that was the, the recruiting. And then, I mean, everybody else was was perfect for sure. the role. And the Warriors was an adrenaline movie, right? And I said, uh, as I said before, this was a coming of. It turned sure. out to be a coming of age movie. But Phil Kaufman adopted the George Lucas uh, methodology that he used in Ameri American Graffiti. Mm -hmm. If you mer remember American Graffiti, Absolutely. it was wall-to-wall -wall, uh, 50s music in yeah. the background. Yeah. And that's what uh, Phil Kaufman did. He did wall-to-wall -wall pop music sure. from the times, right. that, that period of time, mm -hmm. uh, for his movie. And the movie takes place in the early 60s. Right. That's, so it, it was like the 50s teen gangs, but they still slid over into sure. the 60s. Sure. So that was uh, The Wanderers. I love it. I can't wait to read it. So let's switch gears a little sure. bit. Um, so Steve, we go into, we come out of COVID. And so this year, 2023, you've got four books coming out. So kind of tell us, how did that happen? I mean, because that's, that's prolific, right? I mean, how long have you been working on this set? So the first book, uh -huh. <laughs> the first one, which is, um, I got I to have to look. There's four <laughs> of them, so I have to figure out which sure. one was the first one. Oh, the first one was All I Want is Loving You, and this is about the white female singers of the 1950s. Okay, sure. So just about when COVID hit, maybe before COVID hit, uh, this is the one, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the full title is All I Want Is Loving You, Popular Female Singers of the 1950s. And uh -huh. it's really about the white female singers. And I think before COVID, uh, so I grew up in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And I was really a kid wild about this new thing called rock and roll. Sure. I mean, Loved I, it, huh? my yeah. heroes were Little Richard and yeah. Chuck Berry, right. and, you know, Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. And but popular on the radio were singers who weren't yet at they were before rock and roll. Sure. And for the male singers of the time, they really all wanted to be Frank Sinatra. Yeah, and the rat pack thing, right? Yeah. So from nine even from nineteen fifty to nineteen fifty-five, there were what I would call post swing mm -hmm. singers. So they were singing pop music, but it was really Everybody wanted to be Frank Sinatra. Sure. They really, so they sung like that. So you had guys like Eddie Fisher and Al Martino and, uh, I mean, uh, names that have disappeared. Even uh, the first round of Tony Bennett, mm -hmm. you know, when he became a star, they were all trying to sing in a, in a, in a post-swing era kind sure. of style. Uh, so I went and uh, I went listen to them. Mm -hmm. I just wanted rock and roll. And it, but popular as a radio were a lot of female singers uh, at the time. And I wouldn't listen to them either. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so they were uh, Rosemary Clooney right. and Patty Page and even Teresa Brewer, who I put her picture on the cover. Mm -hmm. Because when she hit big in 1950, of all the popular singers at the 
female singers at the time. She was the only one who was a teenager. Oh, wow. Okay. So I focused on her. Sure. And her backstory sort of goes through the book. Mm -hmm. So I should explain what that book is, and I'll tell you how, sure. how it all started. So that book is about the popular female singers of the 50s, and I do it on a year-by-year -year basis. Okay. So I look at, for example, 1950, and I, I figured out who were the the female singers who charted sure. that year. And then I Go just, through their backstory. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. then I talk about that year, what songs were big by these singers, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and then I tell their backstory. Sure. So- uh, and, and I, as I mentioned, I wasn't really interested in the fifties about these singers, but as I got older and I always thought, gee, I wonder what happened to their career Yeah, because as the fifties came on, they sort of disappeared. So when I looked into it, I discovered that the first, uh, well-known period where, female singers really were, were uh, one of the dominating factors in pop mm -hmm. music was the early sixties. And that okay. was the era of the girl group singers. Sure. You know, the Chiffons, the Chantels, yep. the yep. Shirelles, and they had all those great songs. Right. But actually the first time that female pop singers really gained prominence was the early fifties. And I went back and looked at some of these singers sure. of the time, and they really had the best songs of the early 50s prior to the advent of rock and roll. Sure, sure. I mean, Rosemary Clooney, she really had some great songs. Patti Page had wonderful songs. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and they're lesser known uh, female singers like Joe Stafford, Lesser known to us, but she sure. was popular at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the great songs from the early 50s, You Belong to Me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, begin, see the pyramids along sure. the Nile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Totally. So, so, well, tell us a little bit. So how does that evolution then come? I mean, that's one book. Was that the first one you were working on? Yes. Yeah, so, and then you go on, you're done with it. What happens? So so I, I, I think I thought of the concept of the book. Uh-huh. Uh, before COVID. Right. But then COVID hits, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody sort of went into a cave. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, even though we live out here in sunny Arizona, yeah. everybody sort of went in because nobody knew what was going to happen with exactly. COVID. Right. And I just, I said, okay, I, I got this concept of the book. I'm going to write this book. And I just sat down mm -hmm. and, uh, and just kept working on it. Sure. And COVID hung around. Yeah. So I just kept going. I go, I, so I wrote that one. So I wrote that one I, and it came out and, and I was pleased with the, the effort. Sure. And I realized, well, you know, I only told half the story of the fifties. Right. I only told the story of the white female singers. What happened to the black female singers? Sure. So I started researching that and I realized they had a different arc. Uh -huh. So, as I mentioned, this was a, a, a really great time for female singers, the early 1950s, sure. for the white female singers. Then, then rock and roll comes in, and their career begins to ebb sure. through the 50s. because rock and roll is taking, took over, taking right? over. Yeah. I mean, some of them had, uh, had careers that kept, not that the careers 
did not ebb. Sure. But they had hits. So you had uh, in the late 50s, Peggy Lee, her great mm -hmm. song Fever. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Patty Page had some of her best hits. Uh, Old Cape Cod, Allegheny sure. Moon. These were in the late 50s. Uh, a singer, Edie Gourmet, who started in the 50s, didn't hit till the 60s. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I tracked all these sure. people. Absolutely. But the arc was different for the black female singers. Mm -hmm. So they were actually segregated to the R&B charts. Okay. They were really popular in the R&B world. Mm -hmm. uh, singers like Diana Washington. Mm -hmm. um, and there were a whole bunch of black singers that we forget about um, as well. And, um, but when the rock and roll era comes in, they, you know, they were singing, singing rhythm and blues. That was like the precursors to rock sure. and roll. So sure. as, as rock and roll moves in, they sort of have a whole, their career picks up mm -hmm. and the record sale picks up because now they're being played on all record stations. So you get, Somebody like Laverne Baker. Mm -hmm. In 1955, she has this song, Tweedledee, D, mm -hmm. which most people see, at least heard of, sure. you know, if they, sure. if they don't know the song. But it was really uh, a rock and roll song. Sure. So she was part of the, the movement to rock and roll. Mm -hmm. uh, and her song, Tweedledee, D, got played not just on black stations, but on the white pop stations as well. Wow. Okay. So... So, so she was a crossover at the time. So yeah. 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 So, th so they all began to pick pick up steam. Mm -hmm. uh, and I sent her on uh, talk about Ruth Brown a lot. Uh, very popular in the R and B world in the early fifties, but then you know she gets crossover as sure. well. And as I, the backstory for the white singers was Teresa Brewer. For me, the backstory for all the black singers was was Dinah Washington. Mm -hmm. Because she was a star in 1950, but she had her greatest hit in 1959. Oh, wow. What a okay. difference a day makes. Mm -hmm. uh, um, a monster record for her. Sure. So um, you know, there's an, another example where the whole arc was, a career sure. arc was different for them. So I just moved from that, from uh, the first book. Yeah. And the second book, so I, sort of have to read it as well. What so, a difference a day makes, right? Yeah. So the, uh, I have Dinah Washington. That's Dinah Washington on the cover. Mm -hmm. What a difference a day makes. Women who conquered 1950s music. And um, so that's about the black uh, female singers of the 50s. And th then we're going into Earth Angels. <laughs> and then, I, I mean, I just kept going. Yeah, you so did. I, I, I mean... It was crazy. I wasn't, you know, I was, I was a travel writer and a, a, a freelance business writer for 30 years. Okay. And I always traveled. I was always overseas sure. for yeah. years and years. Uh, I was always overseas traveling someplace and I wasn't traveling anymore during the time right, of COVID. Right. So I, I just kept working and I had written a book about Screaming Jay Hawkins mm -hmm. probably now five, six years ago. Uh, people don't remember the name Screaming Jay Hawkins, but everybody remembers his song, I Put a Spell on You. Yeah, Put a Spell, yeah. <laughs> so Screaming Jay Hawkins was probably 
one of the top three craziest people uh, in in the <laughs> the last fifty years wow. who, who who recorded. So that was an interesting book. But he had this comment of you know he was in the hotel uh, in in Harlem and he was drinking with uh, these guys who were popular at the time and they're all got drunk on wine and they took their clothes off and they're just laying in the hallways and passing out. Sure. And he mentioned them. And these guys were Johnny Ace, Guitar Slim, and Jesse Belvin. And I was, I was curious because I knew, I knew the story of Johnny Ace. I wrote a book called The Death of Johnny Ace. Okay. Yeah, it makes so sense. So <laughs> in, uh, in 1954, Johnny Ace at a concert in the Houston, Houston Auditorium, Christmas Day, uh, blows his brains out in the dressing room. Wow. Uh, and everybody said he was playing Russian roulette and killed himself. Maybe so, uh, not. Maybe, maybe <laughs> not. So it's yeah. always been unclear. He definitely <laughs> blew his brains yeah, yeah. out. Yeah. But how that happened right. was unclear. So I had written a, a sort of a novel. I wrote uh, three novels of, about uh, one was the death of Johnny Ace. Second one, so that was about the 50s. Then I wrote the... Seduction of Mary Wells. Mm -hmm. It was it was three parts. Okay, and uh, that was my second book, and that was about the '60s. And then I wrote, wrote the Friends of Billy Preston, and mm -hmm. that was about the '70s. So sure. it was three books, which I called the R and B set. So I knew about Johnny Ace, uh, and I, I I knew he had a controversial death. And then I looked up the other guys. Jesse Belvin, I knew he wrote Earth Angel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the book the title cover, yeah. of the book. And he wrote uh, another song called Goodnight, My Love, which was very popular in the 1950s. And, I, I and then I found out he had a controversial death as well. And then, okay, so what happened to Guitar Slim? And he was the only one that I didn't know. So I had, I had a research, some research on him, yeah. So his, ne his death wasn't, wasn't as controversial, but they all died young. And mm -hmm. I said, well, here's a book. Sure, you know, absolutely. Three guys. Uh, very important to uh, the pre-rock and roll era. Right. And they all died young. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's how Earth Angels came about. Wow. So uh, so your COVID was busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I just kept working during right. COVID. And again, part of it was I used to travel so much and sure. then I wasn't traveling at yeah, all. Yeah, Zero. I was doing, not. Yeah, totally. So I just, yep. I just, Kept writing. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the event on Monday. So you're going to show The Wanderers. Are you going to be speaking, kind of introducing the book? Yeah, or? so I'll be signing books. Mm -hmm. I'll be speaking, uh, talking about The Wanderers. Sure. And then uh, we'll show the, uh, the movie. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have some New York-style snacks. I love it. Uh, uh, most importantly, uh, and we had to do some training here. Sure. A very popular drink in New York was called the egg cream, uh -huh. which was basically just a chocolate soda. Sure. Which the, if you went into a luncheonette mm -hmm. or uh, a soda Diner fountain shop or, whatever, yeah, or any of that, you'd ask for a uh, an egg cream. And it was basically, they'd put, you bet, chocolate syrup, mm -hmm. milk, and salsa. That was the three okay. ingredients. So there's no egg in it. There was no, and, <laughs> and there's always some debate, but... It, I think people say there was really no egg in okay. it, but it was called an egg cream. 
And that was a very, very popular drink. Sure. Uh, uh, so we'll, and um, we'll have egg cream. Sure. Uh, Love it. There. So I don't think they'll use you bet chocolate syrup because. <laughs> Might be a tough one to get. Huh? It's uh, uh, the JCC, Jewish yeah. Community Center. Yep. And there might be something in the chocolate syrup that uh, we can't have. In, oh, yeah, yeah. There you, you go. Know. Totally. Right. So, uh, so egg creams, uh, maybe black and white and whatever else uh, we'll, we'll do at the time. So there will be uh, snack food there I love as it. well. It, it'd just be a fun, fun event. Sure. So, again, it's uh, me signing books and mm-hmm. uh, the big intro for I'll talk about the movie and how, and just like we, we're sure. doing it here. They'll show the movie, and uh, if you want, you can have some snacks there as well. Fantastic. So, again, that's Monday the 13th, I believe, right at the Jewish Community Center, which is right down Scottsdale Road. Right down Scottsdale yeah, Road, yeah, just yeah. down the road from Absolutely. you. Yeah, right up Scottsdale Road. So, tell us a little bit like where, you know, obviously your books are on Amazon, I would assume. Yes. Um, website, any kind of stuff like that? I don't I don't use a website. Okay. My, I have four different sites on facebook okay one of them is on me sure and but uh one of them is on my books right so i use that as the website it's mm-hmm. called the rmb set okay so you can go to facebook and steve bergman you friend me yep but there's also the rmb set uh and screaming jay hawkins and uh so i use that as my yeah yeah that's right okay we my do the same page, thing my, that's my our platform page. as well totally i get it it's, it. it's too much work. To, uh, yeah. You know, I'm writing all these books. Too much work to do a, a web page because then I got to maintain it as well. 100%. So. 100%. So I really appreciate you being here. Before we wrap up, anything else that you want to talk about? Anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, I do. Okay. So uh, next year, uh-huh. in early next year in April. We're going to cover the 70s now, huh? <laughs> uh, well, mm-hmm. oh, uh-oh. <laughs> but yes, 70s uh, a little bit. So I'm I'm doing a co-write uh, on a memoir, okay. which is coming out in April of next year, and it's with a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know the name. Her name is Carol Connors. Okay. So, as a teenager, 16-year-old teenager, before she changed her name and she was Annette Kleinbard, mm-hmm. she got together with two other schoolmates. Uh, to form a, a group called the Teddy Bears. Okay. So, and uh, one of her, sing- the, the three singers, two guys, uh, Marshall Lee, Annette Kleinbard, and a fellow called Phil Spector. Okay. And people who know Phil, Phil Spector. Spector. Yeah, absolutely. So before he went crazy and started shooting people, yeah. he he was one of the, the great producers of uh, of, of music in the 1960s. And oh, that's wow. where he okay. made his name. Right. Uh, produced so many of the great girl group songs, worked with the Beatles. Sure. But here he was uh, just out of his high school, finds Annette and his friend Marshall. They formed the Teddy Bears and they sing a song called To Know Him Is To Love Him, mm-hmm. which was a number one song for something like uh, eight weeks in, in, and uh, number one song probably around the world, sure, actually. Sure. So Phil Spector goes on to his amazing career. Uh, Marshall Lieb hangs around the music industry for many years. But Annette changes her name to Carol Connors and becomes a very well-known songwriter. Oh, uh, okay. She, she's the only 
female to have a uh, surfer hot, hot rod song. Right. And uh, hit. Yeah, yeah. And that was Hey Little Cobra in the early 1960s. Oh, wow, that's great, right. Come the 70s, she's writing for movies. She's mm-hmm. reading, writing uh, songs for movies. She co-wrote Going to Fly Now, the theme song to Rocky. Right. And Fantastic. That's, that's, that's great. Her, that's her career. I mean, very well known in that world. Sure. And, uh, but she's also a very, very pretty and sexy young woman. And she had a wild time, <laughs> a wild life yeah. in Hollywood. Right. Um, and uh, so that's the story she tells. And I, and I have to try and remember the names because my the name of my books are always so complicated. Sure. <laughs> So it's, it's, oh, and her first level was Elvis Presley. Oh, wow. Okay. So the title of the book is Elvis, Rocky, and Me, Carol Connor's Wild Ride Through the Film and Music Industry, Earning Grammy, Emmy, uh, Golden Globe, wow. Oscar nominations, sure. Famous Boyfriends. Phil Spector's Enmity, Carol Shelby's Cobra, and well, I don't remember the rest. How of are you going to get that all on the cover? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and that and that book is coming out in, uh, next next year in April. In April, love it. So that's uh, Carol Connors, um, and so if if you have to remember it, it's Elvis, Rocky, and me. Yep. And forget and a the whole subtitle bunch more because it's all it's all down there. Yeah, totally. Well, we really appreciate it, Steve. Steve, thank you, Steve Bergsman, local local author for Mesa World Travels, fantastic books. Look for the Wanders uh, on Amazon, and then hopefully a lot of people see you Monday at the JCC. It sounds like it's going to be a great time. Oh, it'll be fun. Love it, love it. Thank you, thank you. you-